Now I have the privilege of directing our attention to a portion of Scripture, and this morning we're going to look at an unusual story in the Bible. Some of the stories in the Bible are unusual and surprising. This one is unusual. It's surprising. It's strange, but true. It's not fiction. It actually happened, but it's strange. Maybe you've heard that expression before, strange, but true. Have you heard that before? People say that. That was the poet George Gordon Lord Byron, who originated that phrase, he said this, quote, "'Tis strange but true, for truth is always strange, stranger than fiction." And years later, the author Mark Twain followed him up and he said, "'Yes, truth is stranger than fiction, because fiction has to make sense.'" <laughs> How often this past year we've heard news items and we've thought, that is so strange, it sounds like fiction. Maybe you read, uh, in the news about the woman who joined a search party that was looking for herself. Did you hear about this? She was on a tour bus and looking at some natural wonders and things with a tour group and uh, the group was out looking at a canyon and the lady left the group to go back to the bus just to refresh herself for a few minutes. When she came back to the tour group, everybody was agitated and the tour leader was saying, we're missing somebody in our group. We cannot go any farther before we find the missing person. So he gave them a detailed description of the woman who was missing. The woman failed to recognize her description. <laughs> And she joined the group. They searched all around all the rest of that day. Locals from the area volunteered. The search party grew to 50. Night fell. They searched all through the night. The Coast Guard was notified. They were preparing a helicopter to go up into the air to search in the darkness with lights. And just at that moment, the group looked around and said, aren't you the person we're looking for? <laughs> Strange, but true, you know. Some people your age, they go out into the world to find themselves. This woman actually succeeded. <laughs> now this story in Luke chapter 17, strange but true. Some surprising things happen in this story in Luke 17. And Luke, the gospel author, is highlighting for us how unusual this is that ten men could be cleansed of leprosy. Ten men could have their life, uh, their death sentence reversed and new life given to them by Jesus and nine of them could fail to say thank you. Strange, but true. How much worse you and I, blood-bought children of God, our eternal destiny has been reversed. We have a home waiting for us in heaven. How much more strange that you and I fail to say thank you. Now join me in Luke chapter 17, we'll read this portion and then we'll just make a few comments this morning. Luke chapter 17 verse 12, talking about, well verse 11, it came to pass, Jesus went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered into a certain village there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off as was required by custom. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down at his face, on his face, at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. 
And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Now yesterday in the chapel message we enjoyed a, a challenging uh, discussion about thankfulness and the perspective there was especially in tough times when things don't seem to be going well it's important to give thanks to God. Perhaps from a re reverse perspective today as God would have it we're talking again about thankfulness from the perspective of when we are truly blessed, richly blessed, immersed with blessings, how tragic not to say thank you. Only one in this story. And the simple question I have for you today is, are you that one? Now three quick points today. I want to point out here, reading this passage, uh, first of all, thankfulness is rare. Thankfulness is rare. Number two, thankfulness is reverential. And we're using these R words so we can help our memory. Thankfulness is reverential. And point number three, thankfulness is rewarded. First of all, thankfulness is rare. There are statistics that are mentioned in this story, and you might think I'm trying to make a mountain out of a molehill, but I'm not the one who brought it up. And I say in reverence, it's Luke, the gospel author, who is emphasizing numbers and statistics in the story. And further, it is Jesus, the master, who is emphasizing numbers here when he asks these specific questions. How many were healed? How many were cleansed? Sometimes we joke about using statistics in preaching and public speaking. Sometimes they sound as if they're made up, but... You can't argue the fact that statistics do get our attention. Did you know that you were born with 300 bones in your body, and right now you have 206? Did you know that? Statistics? Interesting. Did you know that, statistically speaking, did you know that right-handed persons live nine years longer than left-handed people? <laughs> statistically speaking. Yeah, statistics. Interesting. Hold on. Did you know that women... <laughs> did you know that women blink nearly twice as often as men? <laughs> How many of you are thinking about blinking now? <sighs> Just in case you have a fear of sharks, here's a good statistic for you. This is comforting to know. Don't worry about the sharks. Did you know statistically you are twice as likely to be bitten by a New Yorker <laughs> than you are to be bitten by a shark? <laughs> statistics. Okay. Now, statistics are highlighted in this passage, and we're having a little fun here, but uh, I, I need some people to help me out, people who are good at math this morning, all the math majors. I want you to chime in here. Look at this passage. At the beginning of the passage, how many men were lepers? How many men were lepers at the beginning of the passage? Okay, now Jesus said, I want you to just go. How many of those men responded in faith? Ten. How many men were healed? Ten out of ten. I mean, when Jesus does something, it's 100%. It's good. And it's thorough. Ten out of ten. 100%. On the other hand, how many returned to say thank you? One out of ten. Now that's a little surprising. That's a little shocking. But I think that actually reflects reality. Do you think in, uh, yeah, that, that you and I 
thinking about the blessings that we've enjoyed in our life from the Lord, thinking about the many gifts he sent our way, do you think that you and I have even risen to the level of saying thank you one out of ten times? Of all the messengers of good that God sent our way, do you think we have even thanked one out of ten of them? Statistics. I recall several years back there was a class that went through school here, and I think you know how this is. Each class has its own personality and reputation. This class had a reputation of always saying thank you to professors in a special way. Now when the class comes in, they're together for several courses. You know how it is, and then time goes on and they don't get together as often. But this class, they had that reputation. Every time that they were together for a certain course, they always did. Uh, they went out of their way, they did something special to say thank you to the professor. I'm sure we would all agree that's good. That's a good thing to do, right? The question is, why only one class? You might think it's just chance. All the really grateful people just ended up in that, that, that class. And no, as a matter of fact, it was just one or two individuals in that class that always made sure that the class got together and said thank you. Listen, one grateful person can make a huge difference. And I'm just asking, are you that one? Are you that one? I don't have time to tell the story, but uh, I recall a time in my life when I was your age, sorry, but it, between my freshman and sophomore year of college, and I was critical of uh, some leaders of a missions trip. They didn't take time to say thank you. And I had those thoughts in my mind, but you know what? I was part of that group. I could have been that one. And I didn't. I didn't step up and say anything. Are you that one? Thankfulness is rare, but you can be that one. You can be that one today. Thankfulness is rare. Number two, thankfulness is reverential. Thankfulness is reverential. Now, in any well-written story, part of characterization is understanding the motivation of the characters. And a good author is always going to give you some hints as to why the characters do the things they, they, that they do. It's no different in the Bible. Here, when we read that nine people turned around and left and one person returned and said, thank you, the, the question immediately springs to our mind, why? What motivated this one person to say thank you? And Luke, of course, gives us some very obvious clues. He says, this one was a Samaritan. Now, you know all about that, don't you? Even in John chapter 4, we read these things in the scripture. The, the woman at Sychar, she was so shocked that Jesus would talk to her because the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She didn't deserve it. Later on, Jesus refers to this man and he said, nobody said thank you except for this, what? Stranger. That's an unusual word. It's a word that apparently is not used in the classical Greek of those days, but it is used in the Bible pretty frequently to indicate an outsider a foreigner, somebody who is not part of the group. Why do you suppose this one was motivated to say thank you? Because he was the one who was convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that he didn't deserve it. Now look, I can't speak for anybody else, but I'm sure that at the end of the day, when we fail to say thank you, it's because essentially we think we deserve it. Here's what one author said. The thankless person counts any benefit as his just due 
for which he feels no sense of obligation or need to return thanks. We heard Romans chapter 1 referenced yesterday, and I won't take time to dive into that, but it's very obvious that thankful people are the ones who know the one from whom all blessings flow. Thankless people are the ones who reverse God's system and put themselves at the top. We're really blessed here. In our school, many students have had opportunities to receive financial help of various kinds. I calculated it one year. I'm not even going to say the number. It's a lot, a lot of money that comes the direction of students through various scholarships and gifts and discounts. And that's a tremendous blessing. All of that comes from somewhere. So from time to time, I'll talk to students and I'll say, you know what, you received a discount or help, scholarship, whatever. It would be great for you to write a thank you note and express thanks for that. And let me tell you this, of those many, many, many conversations that I've had with students, literally every single student that I've talked to about that has been eager to do it, has been totally on board. Absolutely, I will definitely do that. But it's very rare for students to think of it themselves. Very rare. Again, I can't speak for anyone else, but I know that in my life many times I've failed to say thank you to somebody who has found a way to do something for me, you know. Why is that? I would never say this. I would never even think this word for word because, but it, it, I believe it's true at the end of the day, I think that's the way things ought to be. When I've got a problem, I think that's not right. That's not what I deserve. But when I experience a blessing, I, that's good. That's the way things ought to be. Get a little help on the school bill, that's great. That's good. That's the way things should be. Thankfulness is reverential. You and I know that we don't deserve it. You and I know beyond eternal punishment in hell, we have no rights, no expectations beyond that. We are not worthy of the smallest blessing that comes our way. I read a book recently that was a, it was a book on business management written by an unsaved author. It was a, from a secular perspective, and uh, the whole idea of the book was an analysis of positive business cultures. So there was a study done of a lot of different companies and corporations that were seen as having a very positive business culture uh, for their employees, and they, they developed a short list of just a few characteristics or observations about these companies that was always true you know, in, in all of the companies that they surveyed, one of those observations was that people were incredibly thankful. They observed that in, in the business environment, people constantly said thank you. At times when so social norms did not demand it, people were just always saying thank you. Thanks for that. No, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. And so forth. Now, why is that? Is that because those individuals, those employees, received some kind of a corporate mandate there was a memo that was sent around saying, everybody has to say thank you five times per day or else there will be consequences. No, those people recognized they were part of something bigger than their own petty concerns. Whatever business they were involved in was doing something. 
real and valuable. They were making a difference in the world, and they were excited about it. Look, if those people recognize that, how much more a Christian? Nobody in the world should outthink a Christian. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father. We should say thank you. There's a difference between being generally appreciative and feeling generally happy. Look, those nine lepers who ran away, they were happy. They felt happy. Am I right? They felt happy, but they did not say thank you. Only one did. Are you that one? Finally, thankfulness is rewarded. There's a special, deep, rich blessing for the one who is willing to stop and humbly say thank you. At the end of this passage, verse 19, Jesus said to this one man, Arise, go thy way, for thy faith hath made thee whole. Now that word, that expression, made thee whole, is the word for saved. That's a different word than the description that we read of the other nine lepers. Luke says the other nine lepers were healed and they were cleansed. Those are words that relate to physical healing, uh, some kind of um, benefit in the physical realm. This word, made thee whole, definitely has deep spiritual connotations. It is literally the word in the Bible that we think of when we think of salvation. That's the word. It's the same exact word as we find in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. It's the same word that's used in Luke chapter 7 when Jesus was addressing a sinful woman and there was no miracle of physical healing involved at all. And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. And it's clear that Luke is bringing out a contrast here. The other nine did receive blessings. When they ran away without saying thank you, did Jesus immediately reverse the healing? That's it. You didn't say thank you. You got the leprosy back. No. They didn't say thank you. They were superficially happy, and they were also superficially blessed. Okay, but there was one who took the time, who fell down at his feet, at the feet of Jesus, and he received a spiritual salvation. A spiritual, personal, deep, and meaningful relationship with Jesus. One author said this, the others, quote, the others only got the outward cure, he alone got the spiritual blessing. Alfred Edersheim says this, quote, well, he's, in the context, he's talking about it wasn't really surprising that these nine were so happy about what happened, but it was far different to turn back and fall down at his feet in lowly worship and thanksgiving. That made the man a disciple. We can make a lot of applications from a, a point like this. It's obvious that when... We allow ourselves to say critical things, doubtful things, and so forth. That doesn't spring out of a heart of gratitude. Those kind of applications, I think, are clear when we're complaining and so forth. That's not gratitude. Let me just quickly talk to you about the idea of self-preservation. Self-preservation. Some of the deepest, richest experiences that you'll have in a life of ministry look like big problems at first. And when you embrace those problems with gratitude, it makes all the difference. You'll find some of those experiences, those will be the richest, most blessed experiences that you'll have. I'm a little concerned because I think some students are getting into the habit in school 
of getting through. When challenges come up, self-preservation kicks in. We don't view those challenges with gratitude. We view it as problems and extra pressure, and we're not sure if we can do it. It's too hard. It's too much. When you don't embrace those things with gratitude, you might be superficially blessed. You might be superficially happy about the experiences that you have. When you're ungrateful, you're still blessed. But you don't have that deep, rich, spiritual blessing. There's always that one who says, okay, this looks like a really big challenge, a really big problem, but I am so grateful that God even allows me to do this. That God would even allow me to be involved in something like this. Some folks, you'd think they were being martyred when an extra, you know, rehearsal or something comes up. Well, if Daniel can face the lions, I guess I can do this. You know. And th those people are still getting blessings of a superficial way, but there's always that one who says, I can't believe God even allows me to be here. <laughs> I'm so grateful. And that person, every single time, is the one who gets the rich spiritual blessing. Psalm 22, verse 3, referring to, to uh, Jehovah, our Lord, says He is the one who inhabits the praises of Israel. When we express ourselves in a thankful, grateful manner, when we express praise, God is very present. When challenges and problems arise, there no, you know, there's no need for us to push it off, arm's distance, say, I'll pray about it, I don't know if I can do it. Embrace those things with gratitude. So in these couple of days, I think God's on our case here. He's talking to us about thankfulness. I have no doubt. There's some lessons we can learn, applications we can make. Strange that we would not say thank you when he daily loadeth us with benefits. A few years back, there was a pastor from North Carolina. He was on a missions trip and uh, he was preaching a service. At the conclusion of the service, he asked the congregation, does anybody here have a favorite song that you want to sing? There was a woman who apparently was at the edge of the crowd. He hadn't noticed her before, and she raised her hand. He said, and I quote, when I turned and looked at her, it was the most hideous face I had ever seen. Her nose was completely gone. She had no ears. Her lips were completely eaten away. This woman had been afflicted by leprosy. She raised her hand. She wanted to sing. Her hand had no fingers on it. She said, can we sing, count your many blessings? Strange for a person with no fingers to want to count her many blessings. How much more strange for you and I just heaped with benefits, blessings from God, to not say thank you 